The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome, my friends. Show about money has just begun. Uh, just going through some of my archives. Um, and I, I wrote actually a pretty good piece a few years ago. Do you want to become rich? Uh, I encourage you to reach out to us, WolfgangKlein.com. Request uh, a copy of this. Um, in rereading the work, I was actually quite pleased with uh, what I put on paper because it, it, it's the stuff that Jack and I continuously advise clients of, simplified in a few pieces of paper. Um, you want to become rich? couple of steps you got to follow. You must follow all four steps. Number one, um, educate yourself. The more education, the more money you are going to make. Uh, number two, you have to, of course, uh, get to work, get out of bed. Number three, you got to save some money. And then number four, you got to invest the money. And you must repeat those four steps twice a month, I shall say. Well, you got to go to work five <laughs> days a week. You, gotta, you get paid twice a month. So that, that's the savings part and the investing part. Um, and you must do it consistently. And again, the way Jack and I advise clients to build wealth is start early. And, and if you, you haven't started early, encourage your children to start early. I cannot stress the power of time enough. I cannot stress it. It is parabolic. It is instrumental into long-term investing success with high probable <laughs> outcomes. That's what this is all about. I want a guaranteed millionaire out of each and every one of you. Five buck a day. Uh, in Toronto, homeless people can do circles around this strategy if they pay attention to what we're advising. $5 a day, my friend. If you invest it in the broad stock market, the global indices, the North American industries, and you use history as a guide, uh, and I'm talking about decades upon decades of history. So use 40 years of history as a guide for what the next 40 years are going to look like. And historically, the 40-year return of the broad market is slightly over 10%. Let's tone that down. Let's call it 9% return. So we're going to invest $5 a day each and every day into the stock market uh, for the next 40 years. At the end of year one, at 9%, the $5 turns into $1,900. I'm not excited yet. Year two, it's just under four grand. i am still not excited. But after 20 years, $5 a day is a hundred grand. Huh. All right, we're getting somewhere. Uh, what happens in the next 10 years? Uh, year 20 to year 30, the 100 grand plus the five bucks a day is 280 grand. Interesting. Year 40, $5 a day is $720,000. You say five bucks a day, you invest it in equities, indexes, broad blue chip equities, do so for 40 years, you'll have 700 grand. And guess what? I know you can do better than five bucks a day. So let, let's ramp it up to, I think, a very reasonable number, $1,000 a month. How much a day would that be, Jack? That'd be about 30 bucks a day, wouldn't it? Sounds about right. It's only 30 a day. Good golly. You can do that. I know you can do it, my friends. $1,000 a day. You want to know how much you have at the end of the 40 years? So if you are 25, turn up your radio. You must start this immediately. At age 65, you should have about $4.7 million. <laughs> $4.7 and you know the, the beauty of this one here, Jack? It works out to what's called a 10-bagger. If you save a grand a month for 40 years, your contribution is 480000 And that turns into $4.7 million. That's a 10-bagger. It's a 10 That is high probable outcome, my friends. High probable outcome. All right, 9% too high, we'll take it to 7%. That's 26 
million dollars after 40 years. I prefer the 4.7. Uh, I think uh, the, the degree of risk taken is, is, is being rewarded with uh, decent compensation. The key is, my friends, time. It begins boring. It is like watching paint dry. Continue to engage and don't, don't stare at the walls. Live your life, enjoy it, and keep with the process. After 20 years or 25 years, you hit what's called an inflection point. You'll start to see money flow. The next 10 years and the following 10 years, oh my goodness me, so much fruit, you can't eat it all. Uh, yep, you want to become rich, you must get educated, work, save, and invest, and repeat for minimum 25 years. Take it to 40, you are going to be super rich. Uh, Jack, do you agree? 100%, Wolf. People are looking for shortcuts, though. You talk about education. I'm going to say the first two allow you to do the second two, right? You need to be educated. You need to work. You can't sit on the couch collecting CERB or whatever uh, government-supported programs there are. And education, part of that, Wolfgang, we're investors, having experience, managing emotions, understanding that, you know what, 7 9%, they don't sound exciting, but they are exceptionally exciting when you add time into the equation. 100%. And you know something, I'll tell you, if you skip one, you know, some people aren't academically into education, so to speak. Uh, I was actually a very weak student. Um, uh, so if you're going to skip one, you know, education, but you make it up with hard work. That's uh, my point, Wolf. The fact is, Educated, no work, good luck. Educated, right? no work, good luck. Experience, and again, you can hire experience, Jack. It was interesting, because you and I are experienced. Between the two of us, you and two of us, you and I have 50 years of experience on Wall Street. Do uh, you feel old? I, I am old. I do feel old. Every single day, <laughs> my back's killing me. It's the hockey, Jack. It's the hockey. How's the hockey going? Uh, it's good. Uh, final weekend of the play or final weekend of the season heading into the playoffs, and uh, this weekend we're playing for first place. If we win, we're in first. If not, We'll still do okay. You know, it, it, hockey is a priority to families. It is such a priority to, to Canadian families when young kids are in the equation. Uh, and in life, with spending money, you must prioritize. So, you know, if sending your children in, off to hockey is important, top of the list, it belongs there. Something has to give because you can't compromise on the savings part as well. So Jack gets to play hockey, very important, but you still have to find a way to save some money. But I was uh, going to say, Wolf, it is part of the educational process. For kids, It is teamwork, discipline, yep. being part of a winning process. Uh, top of the list, Jack. I, love, I, I support hockey. I'm just saying, you know, I, I like good food, so i got to compromise somewhere else to make sure I make my savings goal. Um, friends, you want to be rich? It is not complicated. No weed, no Bitcoin, no crypto. No, time, compounding, quality. Do your part. You have to do your part. And if you do your part for 10 or 20 years, trust me, the market will do its part for the next 20 or 30 years. Uh, Michael Hainsworth, BNN, gone terrestrial radio. Uh, standing by. Uh, I had to get that piece in, Michael. You know why? Because this morning on, on my way to work, I was listening to some old podcasts, and the first one that popped up on my uh, screen on my car was... A podcast with you uh and i went through this mathematics back in november of 2022 and i said you know this is such power i have to repeat it uh and why, why not repeat it with michael waiting to get on air uh tech guru uh consultant brand promoter brand developer uh freelancer uh man who looks great on stage performs on stage uh, on camera behind the scenes behind off the scene you, you, you do it all, Michael. Uh, welcome back to my show. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for having me back. I'm looking forward to this conversation. We're going to get into some pretty geeky stuff, but <laughs> I think by the end of it, everyone is going to understand what the future will look like. You know, um, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, Zach, our 
a 20-something. You know, friends, you need to have a 20-something on your team. You, also have, you should also have someone who's got some military background. That's Jack. Uh, boy, you end up with quality when you hire people with that pedigree. Uh, but anyway, Zach, uh, Kim, uh, a few weeks ago um, went into chat GPT. Did I get that right, Jack? Yeah, that's right. All man. right. <laughs> chat GPT. Uh, and he said, write a poem about Wolfgang Klein. And bada bing, bada boom, two versions came back. One was a pretty straightforward Robert Frost style, and the other one was a hip-hop version. And, Michael, it was uncanny as to how accurate the poetry was as to, you know, what type of person I am. And, again, friends out there, if you want to see a copy of those poems, we'll send them to you. Um, quite remarkable, Kathleen. My wife, her jaw dropped. Jack couldn't believe it. It was really, really cool. So, again, with, with that segment, the world's gone crazy right now over chat GPT and uh, AI. Uh, and again, there's going to be a lot of money lost in AI. And the big brothers and sisters out there are spending billions. Microsoft spent some $8 billion developing its current uh, AI platform. So, Michael, you know a lot about this. Please talk to us. Well, Microsoft actually has found itself on its uh, back foot for quite some time on a bunch of different technologies, uh, and they're just sort of coming around with uh, their investment and relationship with OpenAI to make ChatGPT something significant. Uh, already we know they've got uh, their own uh, cloud-based service technology, uh, Azure and, and things of, of that nature, and now they're going to be able to offer their clients the ability to tie in a ChatGPT style technology into the kinds of things that are being done. So it's already, the, the, the applications for it are already along the lines of chatbots for, you know, when you, when you call up your bank or when you're doing some online banking and you're typing away and you're asking questions, you're getting answers, you know that's not a real human being. It hasn't been a real human being for some time. But I did not know that. Kakar, our marketing lady, as a matter of fact, was just asking me if I want some little chat GPT pop-ups and Kathleen said, I find them kind of annoying. And I said, I think I do too. Uh, do you find them yeah. annoying, Michael? Everybody does. You know, if, okay. if I needed help, I'd ask for it. So why are you <laughs> popping up in the bottom right corner of my screen? Hey, <laughs> like who are you? Thing with the stuff. <laughs> Would you like some help with that? No, back off. I'll when I need you, you'll be there. And that actually is sort of the the, the present generation of ChatGPT and and its its use cases. But what this ultimately means, and I know you're a fan of Star Trek. I like Trek. This yeah, will I'm be the foundation. I love the music, by the way. Bump, Star bump, Trek. Bump, bump. Commander Data. We've, we've all wondered, how is it possible that Jean-Luc Picard can turn to an android and ask a question, get a detailed answer, all that kind of stuff? ChatGPT will be the foundation for ultimately at some point when we all have androids walking around and we're talking to them, we're asking them some, some simple questions, we're asking them complex questions. And in the interim, between the time at which ChatGPT is being used as the foundation for androids that can interact with us and where we are today, is the ability to use this technology to query artificial intelligence itself. So perfect example of this is one of my clients is Nokia. And Nokia has built an AI-powered 5G-powered uh, factory out there in Finland. And because it's AI-powered, AI will provide the manager of that uh, facility with answers to questions but and, and provide details of what's going on on the factory floor. But when you get a, an alert, something pops up that says, here's an issue, here's a concern, the big question, the big problem with AI generally is that it's often considered a black box. It took a ton of data in and it spit out an answer. The question is, how did you arrive at that answer? Sounds like an the engine light is, on situation to me. Hainsworth, I'm getting the old uh, whirly bird in the air. 
You know what that is, right, buddy? Being a TV dude? That means we, we, we got to wrap up the segment. The, the segment. So let's do, let's do a quick wrap, commercial break. Uh, friends, any questions for Jack Hurdle or moi aussi, uh, wolfgangkline.com, thewolfonbaystreet.com, please. Our portal is all you need for your financial guidance for the future. Uh, Michael Hainsworth is our guest. He is a futurist. He's a tech enthusiast. He considers himself a geek. I think he's extremely cool. Uh, let's spend some more time with him and learn about technology. It does drive the future. Quick break. Get right back to Hi-Fi Radio. Stay tuned. Let's take a break. Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back. That's for you, Michael Haynesworth. That's how I feel about you, buddy. Lots of it. Respect. Well, thank you, man. Thank you. Yes, indeed. Well, you know, you're a broadcaster, but you're, you are very passionate about technology. Uh, you always have been since I've known you. And, uh, well, I keep. I think it keeps you very, very youthful and keeps your mind very, very sharp. Uh, so we had our little chat about GPT, <laughs> little pop-ups. We don't like them. We agreed. Um, yeah, I'll tell you, I, I spoke with one of our senior managers, um, couple days ago uh, and he said Wolfie you know the markets are going to be a little challenging for another period of time uh, and I, I think a lot of people are, are, are looking for the next thing and they're frothing for the next thing because Bitcoin died and there's always people want the next thing and this AI is probably going to attract a lot of attention uh, the problem is there are going to be these little startups uh, that will have nothing and will come to market and try to lure investors dollars and hype it up and well end up being like a Dogecoin, so to speak. A lot of Dogecoins within the AI universe uh, coming at you. So uh, buyer beware, my good friends. Again, Jack and I uh, eschew the powers of quality, simple, boring businesses. Uh, brands that you know, established companies, nothing exciting. doesn't need to be because you, you now know my four steps, remember? Educate, work, save, invest, repeat. Right? Simple. Uh, but it's interesting uh, to see what is going on. And we have a big position in Microsoft, and they spent $8 billion on their AI platform. So I feel confident. And, of course, now we've seen how the product works. It can write poetry about me. So what, what's not to like, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> what, what else do we got, Mike, on the world of tech that is, is going to really drive things for the next few years and get us through this malaise? I guarantee you, 10 years from now, you are going to look back at your iPhone and go, I can't believe there was a time when we all walked around with little glowing rectangles in our pockets. <laughs> because 10 years from now, we are going to have augmented reality as a universal technology. It's going to be built into your eyeglasses, your sunglasses. It's going to be a glasses-based technology tied in with 5 and 6G wireless technologies and augmented reality. Uh, next thing you know, um, you're going to be taking phone calls using your glasses. You're in 10 be- years, Michael? You think we're going to displace our cell phones? And t- are you kidding? What am I going to do? do? Really? I, I kid you not. And I'll tell you why. Because wow. in June of this year... Apple is coming out with its own version of an augmented reality headset. Quest uh, is the big product to beat right now from Meta, the people behind Facebook. Uh, But if there's anything that Apple makes better than a first-generation product, 
is a second-generation product. So in June, when they announce it and it hits the streets by the end of this year, it's already going to be obsolete because they will be uh, taking that three to $5,000 headset, incredibly expensive headset, and they'll be shrinking it down. They'll be reducing the cost. They'll be taking out some of the components as well, and they'll be coming up with a much more palatable consumer-grade version of that headset in 2024, 2025. So let me ask you this. You remember your first iPhone back in 2007, right? I remember my first Sony Walkman, baby. Think about how advanced the iPhones got <laughs> between the release in 2007 and 10 years later in 2017 when the iPhone 10 was released. The remarkable advancement we just saw in that will also be applied to these augmented reality eyeglasses. So when you're walking down the street, you won't have to worry about looking at your phone to find out if you need to turn left or right when you're wayfinding. You'll have a little hovering icon in front of your face that tells you to turn right when it's time to turn right. When you see someone on the street who you recognize but you can't remember their name, you're gonna get a little pop-up reminding you, oh yeah, that's my butcher from down the street. I gotta say hi to John again. Hey John, how are you? Little things like that are going to happen because over the next decade, Apple is going to try to replace its iPhone with something that you put on your face. Do you think they're going to succeed at that, Michael? I really do. I do for a bunch of different reasons, not the least of which is that there is no one single advance in technology that revolutionizes the world. It's the coming together of different technologies that the iPhone itself would not exist if it wasn't for a couple of Canadians at the University of Waterloo coming up with the idea of pinch to zoom and multi-touch on a screen. It wouldn't happen if we didn't have 3G wireless at the time when that device was initially released. All of these different technologies are coming together, not the least of which are the little panel screens and the ability to advance uh, wireless technology so that you don't do the heavy lifting of the computing that's necessary for this technology on your face or in your pocket, it gets done in the cloud. Wow. Uh, what else you got for us in the land of tech, Michael? What's, again, really grabbing your attention? Uh, you're talking about the kids today. Are you on the TikTok? Uh, my daughter is on TikTok, uh, not myself, no. Well, I'm looking forward to you getting a TikTok account and doing all those crazy TikTok dances. But whatever <laughs> yeah. you do, don't get a job working for the European Commission or the U.S. government, because both the Americans and the EU, uh, the European Commission being the, the regulatory body for yeah. the European Union, have uh, both banned TikTok on government devices, because in China, there is a rule that states if you're a Chinese company, the Chinese government can knock on your door at any time and demand you participate in whatever kind of spying plan that they've got. And so these two major regions have decided that it's just too risky to allow ByteDance, which is the Chinese-based owner of TikTok, to have apps running on government-oriented devices that could easily be turned into spy machines. So that's one issue. That takes the balloon to the whole whole other level. Yeah, exactly. That's a whole lot of balloons. (laughs) On the flip side, Mercedes-Benz is bringing TikTok to their 2024 car lineup. What do you think of that? It's funny, I own that stock. We own we own Ferrari, we own uh, Mercedes-Benz, and we own some Tesla. Well, the uh, Mercedes-Benz E-Class that's coming to market in the fall of 2023 has an infotainment system that is spread across the entire dashboard, not just the driver's side, not just the center console, but also on the passenger side. Okay. So if you are a passenger in one of these vehicles for 2024, because uh, that's when we'll see it actually hit the market, huh. you could actually... Uh, watch your TikTok dances and all that kind of nonsense from the passenger side. And because the way they've designed the dashboard, if you're a driver, 
you can't physically see the screen. The ah, way they've, they've that created. was the question I was getting at. Is the regulator going to allow it? Because I know right, right now my car, I cannot use the keypad to type stuff while I'm driving. I have to stop the car and then it'll bring up a keyboard for me and allow it to type. So uh, that is very, very yeah. interesting, Michael. Very similar thing. And the thing is, is that Mercedes recognizes that this isn't just about TikTok, but it's about the evolution of the way we uh, interact with the world while we're in our cars. In advance of driverless vehicles, where you don't have to worry about the driving at all, they're easing us into that. The thin edge to the wedge is not just TikTok, but Zoom calls. You can do you can have a Zoom call from the passenger seat of your Mercedes in 2024 all through the dashboard because of this technology. Very, very cool stuff. What do you think of all that, Jack? I was going to say, does it make us better? Does it make You talk about screen time. You talk about uh, artificial reality, uh, virtual reality. You know, you talk about screen time for kids. What, what do you think about that, Mike? Because the fact is, back in the day, I used to have, I'm going to say, um, 20 phone numbers in my head. I knew who they were. And then you know you could actually think, right? Now someone's going to tell you, oh, there's Wolfgang Klein walking down the road. Right? Is it helping yeah. us as a society? That's, That's, my question. That's a funny question. Yeah. We're getting ethical on the business show, folk. Are we allowed to do that? It, why not? It's ESG. It's a valid question, and I'll tell you why it's a valid question, because most recent research into GPS technology, where we previously had to remember uh, markers on our road as we got from point A to point B, we had to know what those signs were. We needed to know the names of the streets. We don't need any of that anymore. And recent uh, research has concluded that that is a contributing factor to keeping us from uh, developing dementia later on in our lives. The necessary brain power to do your own wayfinding without GPS is no longer a thing. And because of that, where our brains aren't wired up in a way that will help prevent dementia in the future. So what are those little it's games? It's what, reverse what are those, evolution. Well. What are those little games people are playing Sokoto or something? Those little uh, uh, brain exercises? And all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, that yeah. Help yeah. That keeps the brain sharp. Absolutely. But... The fact that we're no longer that we are now offloading responsibility of wayfinding to GPS on our phones means that we're not using that part of our brain. So, Jackie, you've got a very interesting point that humanity and the way our brains are wired up will evolve over time, just like it's done over the last 100 years. My favorite meme photo has the text that reads, technology is making us antisocial. And the photo was from like 1922 on a streetcar with everybody reading the newspaper instead of talking to each other. Yes. It's <laughs> always changed the way we interact with ourselves and others. Well, again, the name of the game for this show, of course, is uh, trying to, on a risk-adjusted basis, uh, compound wealth, uh, build wealth, and hence make some money. Um, NVIDIA uh, had a nice pop this week, uh, again, playing around the uh, chat GPT AI theme. Uh, Michael, what are the best ways, in your opinion, beyond the semis to, 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 to play the space? Well, you've already got Microsoft in your portfolio, and that's yep. an excellent way to diversify into that space, particularly with their relationship with open AI. NVIDIA is an interesting case because they're using artificial intelligence in, a, uh, in two ways. One, the physical chips are what um, help make AI possible. We learned a long time ago that uh, a CPU versus a GPU, a graphics processor unit, a CPU is like a, a four-lane highway that can do 100 kilometers an hour, whereas a GPU is a 400-lane highway oh. that can do 50 kilometers an hour. So NVIDIA is really able oh. to chew through a lot of data, uh, and that's what's necessary for artificial intelligence to work. But they're also taking advantage of it from the software side. They now have a new version of their software suite, which uses NVIDIA graphics chips in your computer, so that when you're doing a presentation, like you're, 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 you're looking down at your notes, 
you're looking away, you're not looking into the camera. How many times have you watched somebody in a Zoom call not engage with you because they're not making eye contact with the camera? Their software will now physically move your eyeballs so that it looks like you're looking into the camera the whole time. So you can read from your notes the entire time. Never once look up at the camera, but the audience will think you've been staring at them the whole time. That is absolutely fascinating. Um, Got a couple minutes, Mike. I want to throw something to you. I met with a portfolio manager from AGF this week, an international portfolio manager, and uh, he's, he's put some Sony into his portfolio. Again, I used to work in broadcast and music industry side, or broadcast radio side, I shall say. And so uh, record companies used to be clients of mine. I remember doing business with them, helping them promote bands and helping them promote their movies at, at, the, at the studio side. And of course, Sony was an interesting company because they had a label, uh, they did film, they had electronics. I know Babler Radio was a big Sony supporter and I always complained the only problem with Sony was the margins were very small, maybe 10 points at best. Uh, so hard to make money. And I said, why are you buying Sony? What is it that excites you about this company? He said, the cameras, uh, the cameras and the sensors, the cameras are going to be so used in autonomous driving. Um, do you know much about the Sony scene and in terms of their cameras? Do you know anything about Sony cameras and the technology that they have, Michael, that excites you? And if not, that's cool. It's just a random pop quiz for you. Well, interestingly enough, um, Tesla has decided that they don't want to spend the money on uh, radar and LIDAR-based systems for their autonomous vehicles. They're going exclusively with camera-based technology. And that is a huge bet because you need to bring down the cost of producing uh, a a self-driving car in the first place. And this is one of the ways that they figured they were going to be able to accomplish that task. Now, we could have a very long conversation about how viable Tesla's self-driving technology really is without a LiDAR-based system. But what we do know is that cameras aren't just going to be used for autonomous vehicles, for things like that. They're also going to be used tied to artificial intelligence and machine learning systems in places, as I mentioned earlier, like the factory floor, Smart cities will use them to gauge how many pedestrians there are on the street. Police will use them for facial recognition technology. And the critical element is high-resolution, high-quality camera technology. And Sony sensors are excellent for that kind of thing. As a matter of fact, the the technology that we're not seeing each other right now using it, but my studio is outfitted with Sony camera technology specifically because the sensor quality is so good. Michael Hainsworth, futurist, tech expert, broadcaster, um, PR man, uh, corporate, personal, uh, he, he does it all. Um, I can't thank you enough, Michael, for spending some time with us. A very, very dynamic conversation, as always. Uh, wish you a great weekend. Uh, we will hook up very, very soon. Hi-Fi Raid is going to continue on the land of tech, bringing on our analyst, Mr. Robert Young. Uh, very, very savvy. Uh, let's keep the pace going. Quick break. Get right back to Hi-Fi Radio 640 Toronto. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back. You know, with tech moving as quick as it is, we are passengers. Exciting times, a little scary perhaps. Rob Young, tech analyst with Canaccord, joining us. Trying to 
make some more sense of chat GPT. Um, before you delve into the uh, depth and bowels of technology and those zeros and ones as they uh, permeate around all of us, my good friend, I want to um, read you what chat GPT wrote about MWAOC. Um, a true wealth advisor with a golden touch, Wolfgang Klein is worth so much. He guides his clients with a gentle hand, helping them to reach their financial land. With his expertise and wise counsel, he helps his clients reach their goals. His dedication and hard work are what make him a true perk. Communication is key for Wolfgang. He ensues that his clients are never wronged. With a transparent approach so bright, his clients are always in the light. But his passion for helping others doesn't stop. He gives back with a philanthropic heart non-stop. With a commitment to make a difference, Wolfgang Klein is simply immense. So let us celebrate this wealth advisor supreme who helps his clients live their financial dream for he is a true master of his craft and a shiny example of what wealth management should be and a gift to all who seek his help. I, I couldn't buy that. Uh, wow. You know, Rob, pretty wild stuff. Yeah, someone that can write a piece of gold like that can't be all bad, right? No. So um, Jack's concern, of course, Jack's gone green on me, which I like, is the ESG aspect. Uh, Chat GBT could, in fact, be overkill. Uh, I'm going to say it's over-engineered, right, Wolf? We're I don't talking, know. We, no, what we you're, talk you're, about you're, search, right? So what do I need for search? I need to find where I'm going. And then you go through Chat GBT, you talk about additional computing power, additional GPUs, additional, the computing power is done by electricity, mm -hmm. which is natural gas, potentially coal. Hopefully it's... Uh, Hopefully it's green true. technology. But anyways, uh, the fact is you have additional resources that are being used to create something that maybe is, although it's a beautiful poem, Wolf, is it really necessary? <laughs> <laughs> I like poetry. Can I say? Uh, that's why I like the, the tragic, that's why I like the tragic lip so much. But, you know, uh, could, could Gord have written something as well? Probably Gord could have. Gord could have pulled it off for sure. Anyways, uh, Rob, talk to us. Uh, too much hype? Is hand. it real? Where is it going? On the ESG side, I don't know if you've seen China is actually telling the companies that can't use chat GPT because it's worried about the uh, issues around censorship, right? Because they can't censor it. So maybe there's some positive ESG elements here. Yeah, Michael Hainsworth was just on the air with us telling us that the EU and which other body is basically banning um, TikTok uh, from their... I think from it was their, the U.S. government body. It was the U.S., yeah. Banning TikTok from their um, government employees, uh, I guess. But I would say that raises a good point. You would take... Chat GPT uh, from China, and if they not only just censor, then maybe they could create information, potentially propaganda, which could be a, a big problem. Oh, like we need more propaganda in this world. Well, I was going to say technology turns, it's a, you know designed to be something good, and then potentially something nefarious comes out of it. In, in, the, in the hands of evil, um, chaos was right. what they used to talk about on Get Smart. Any Get Smart fans out there? Remember chaos? Yeah. It certainly created a sense of urgency out there because everybody all of a sudden realizes how tangible, how real this is. And, you know, what it seems like magic to a lot of people that are using it. <laughs> yeah. right? I couldn't imagine the programming uh, that went on uh, behind the scenes before they can actually launch such a product. How, how many gazillions of pages of code? Uh, uh, Rob, you would know, I would assume. How many pages of code? Well, it's not so much the, the code. It's, it's the training of these models. So you have to create these very, very large models, which essentially ChatGPT uses the, a good chunk of the free data out on the internet to train itself and uh, uses a massive amount of uh, infrastructure, computing infrastructure to develop these models. And so in a way, they're almost 
programming themselves. I would say it's not just the fact that they're creating poems and searching the internet. Uh, this type of artificial intelligence can also write code or next level. GPT. It can write. So, so this truly yeah. is, I guess, uh, what they consider then machine learning, where the machine teaches itself through trial and error. Is that correct? Well, machine learning is basically the uh, the act of using these large data sets to train an algorithm. The output at the end of the day is a, is, is a relatively small algorithm, but the work to create that algorithm is the machine learning piece. So it's it, it, think of it as a method rather than a large you know chunk of code. Um, a cool company that you do follow, I'm going to pivot over here for a moment, uh, is Canaxis. Uh, that, that's the name I continue to keep my eye on. You follow, you know, a number of names both here uh, and in the United States. But this Canaxis, which is a Canadian tech darling, uh, obviously came under tech pressure. Um, but it's a real business that makes money. Uh, let's talk about that name of yours for, for a moment, if you may. Um, give, give us a quick update on Canaxis, uh, symbol KXS on the TSX. Sure. I mean, as it relates to AI, it's one no. of the companies that oh. the coverage that would be connected to that. Well, okay, so Canaxis is a company that does um, optimization or um, of, of, of supply chains. So a large company would use Canaxis to take their supply chain and, and make it better, to make it more uh, nimble, uh, to react more quickly to fast changes. And it allows uh, companies to do scenario analysis and um, it helps them connect more pieces of their supply chain. And all that is really relevant right now because supply chains are, although improving, they're under a lot of pressure since uh, all of the issues through the pandemic. And now there's a lot of shifting in the supply chain. People are trying to move where they do the manufacturing, a lot of movement out of China into other parts of the world. So Yeah, they're recreating their supply chains. Yeah. Exactly. And so Canaxis is software which helps companies manage all of that but it's more real-time in nature. Uh, it can do both, long-term and real-time. And again, Fortune 500 companies are, are, are adding it to its platform. Uh, in terms of the growth behind the firm, um, forecasted uh, growth rate on, on revenue is coming in at what, Michael or uh, Rob? Yeah, well, generally the company's seen as 25% top-line growth. Most of that is driven by the recurring business, software as a service. And then the unique element in the company is it's profitable. Um, right now, uh, lower than typical profitability because it's investing very aggressively. But you know, when they did the IPO, the outlook was 25% EBITDA margins. And so it's, it's a good quality company with good growth and profitability. And then uh, because profitable has a very strong balance sheet, a lot of cash. Uh, Rob Young, analyst with Canaccord, focusing on technology, spending some time with us this Saturday night. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and get right back to Mr. Rob Young, uh, tech analyst with Canaccord. Jack, of course, by my side, shows Hi-Fi Radio, and please, any questions, WolfgangKlein.com. Stay tuned. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back. My friends. It's the death of successful money management is paranoia. Having a little bit of paranoia is okay. You know, you keep your BS detectors on to avoid the BS out there, but 
don't be paranoid. Uh, every now and then we have a individual that goes paranoid on us and they, they want out of everything. They want canned goods. They want gold. They don't trust the system. Don't be one of those persons to, to think that the, the whole world is coming to an end. And uh, You know, geopolitics, you can't control it. You got to accept it. Um, Hold on. Well, there, I would say please. there always is geopolitics. That's the thing that people don't understand. In the moment, obviously, there's significant issues uh, globally right now. I'm going to say Ukraine is top of the list. Five years ago, North Korea was launching uh, nukes into the ocean, scaring people. So there is always geopolitical risk out there. You do have to bet long term on progress um, and profitability of companies, especially in the tech industry, as, as uh, Rob Young covers. Well, uh, tech allowed us to stay at home and do our jobs. But, folks, it's time to go back. Uh, Rob, um, let us carry on in your space. We talked chat GPT. We talked supply chain. Uh, I want to speak a little more macro. Uh, tech uh, was left for dead last year. Many interesting businesses from DocuSign to Shopify, uh, names which I own, full disclosure, uh, went from hero to almost zero Um at these levels, do you think you can be constructive? Again, some of these tech names have had pretty good moves off the bottom. Is it a head fake or is it the beginning of you know something that's more sustainable? And in the background, believe it or not, friends, what's, what's moving these names of technology is interest rates. Hard to believe, but it's a fact. Uh, interest rates rising are not good for tech stocks. A lot of tech names don't make money. Hence, they're valued uh, and looked at as a considered a long bond. Discounted cash flow, you got to change the discount rate. It's complicated. It's mathematical. I'm going to say, I'm going to throw another one in there too, Wolf, is human emotion. Because the fact is, Shopify, we just looked at it yesterday. At the peak, was trading at 35 times earnings. Right now, I'm. Sales. No, 35 times enterprise value to sales. Sorry. Big difference. Uh, 35 times sales. Now it's trading at, I think, 8 to 10, which, you know what? Everyone loved it at 35. Now that it's a third of the price, it's still very expensive, everyone. Very expensive. Uh, Everyone hates it. Thinks it's a dog. So, uh, Rob. Did you think there's something we could, can we be constructive in technology this year? Is it 2023 enough to be again a, a year of, you know, pass on tech and stick with uh, some old cyclical, you know, bank stocks or industrial names? Well, definitely overcorrected to the negative in 2022. It's de- it, the sector has been better in the first part of the year here. And that's because there's this perception that interest rates are starting to slow down their increase. And so people are positioning around, you know, where they think the bottom is. Um, there's a lot of really good deals out there in the tech space still. Profitable large companies. Um, there's a lot of worry on Google related to ChatGPT, and so that one has come down quite a bit. So Facebook was, uh, or Meta now, is really, really beaten up and had a good quarter, and the stock recovered on that. So there's there's definitely areas where the market is uh, coming back into tech, but it's still very interest rate uh, dependent. I guess I would I'd say is too early to tell how 2023 will turn out, but it looks better than 2022. So, so where the market's at right now, what we're seeing, Rob, is the fact that uh, obviously tech companies uh, overhired uh, throughout the pandemic, and now they're in uh, cost-cutting mode. So basically it was grow at any cost when money was free, now be profitable at any cost because, well, interest rates are very, they're biting, like you said, right? So investors want profitable companies. They don't just want growth now. So, so what are you seeing and where do you like, what names do you like in this environment? There are there are very profitable tech companies that are cutting headcount as well. I mean, you look at if I look at Google as the example, it's a very profitable company, and oh. uh, you know they you know cut back on te- on headcount. There's a lot of perks. There's a lot of uh, you know very very high uh, salaries in that company, and so there's an argument that says that you know some of that will you know moderate in 2023. Um, but yeah, there's I, I would say in general 
the tech space is full of companies that have strong, generally strong balance sheets because they are inherently profitable. A lot of them are spending money for growth. So if they slow down a bit on that, stop spending a little bit on sales and marketing, generally there's a profitable business that emerges underneath. And so I think a lot of companies are being pressured to slow down the overly aggressive chasing of growth and you know letting some of the profitability come to the fore. And so we're seeing that in some companies now. So so is there a sweet spot that you're looking for? I'm going to say revenue growth plus EBITDA margin. It used to be rule of 40, rule of 50. What What yeah. companies are getting the love right now? Well, that's an old venture venture capital uh, rule of thumb, the old rule of forty. And that's one I think people look at as a as a baseline. So, you know, if you're growing at forty percent year over year, then you can have zero percent EBITDA margin. Um, you know, and any blend in between those two gates or fence posts or goalposts is okay. Um, you know, obviously, if you've got a metric that's higher than that, if you've got fifty percent growth, sixty uh, percent growth, that generally is well well received. Uh, but people or investors are looking for, uh, I guess, a balance. So, you know, a company like Shopify, for example, uh, that's below 40% growth, where the outlook is, is telling investors that it's not going to be profitable in the near term because of this large investment in um, the, um, the Shopify fulfillment network and, and, and other growth opportunities. There are, is a lot of growth in front of it, but it doesn't satisfy that rule of 40, which is you know, one of the concerns. So if you have a company, I'm going to say, that is growing revenue at 20%, EBITDA margins 20 what what multiple right now should an investor be paying for that? Uh, it's, I would say that all of those relative valuations are a little out of, um, uh, it isn't as orderly as it would have been a couple of years ago. But I think something in that range would be somewhere around four to six times revenue multiple. Uh, Rob, I want to come back to another name that we do own, just did a little tune-up and check-up on the name, and that is Descartes. Um, I'm very keen on this company. It's expensive. It's always been expensive, but it seems to be one of the few true uh, international tech companies that is actually Canadian. Uh, it actually does trade in the United States on the NASDAQ as well. Uh, the company's above par in terms of the stock. Technically, it looks interesting uh, at these levels. Uh, can you speak to its business and um, how you, uh, what, what you think about its business prospects in the next three to five years? Yeah, well, it's a great business, a uh, great management team. It's got a really good track record over the last 10 years, and so it's one that's built up a lot of trust. Uh, they Generally, um, they build their business around a target of 10 to 15% EBITDA growth every year, and they generally get above that. Um, they're tied to logistics, so all of the supply chain items I was talking about earlier, um, all of the movement of goods around the world and the and the um, disruption in that uh, is what drives Descartes. Um, all of the sanctions parties and denied party lists that make it difficult to move goods around the world, um, Descartes is software which helps logistics providers and retailers understand all of those factors, and then they also help them coordinate a logistics movement across different modes. So it can orchestrate across you know, on a truck, onto a tr onto a train, then onto a boat, then onto a plane, then back onto a truck. Uh, and there's not very many companies that can orchestrate that with software. So it's in a good spot 
In- intermodal, intermodal transport. Uh, intermodal. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Rob Young, uh, we've used up our clock. I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us this evening. You're a brilliant, brilliant man and a good friend. Rob Young, analyst with Canaccord, focusing on the tech space, spending some time with us this evening. Jack Hartle, producer of the show. Great job lining up the guests, as always, my friend. Uh, please, have a great weekend. Stay safe. Um, four steps. Educate. Work. Save invest and i'm gonna throw the fifth one in which is repeat do that for 25 years give me a call you'll be happy any questions any help you need please no question too big no question too small we help them all call us we're here for you anytime have a safe weekend my friends i'm wolfgang klein show hi-fi radio 640 toronto you've been listening to hi-fi radio with wolfgang klein and jack hardell portfolio managers at canaccord genuity wealth management for questions about today's show or any questions about money email wolf and jack at wolfgangkline.com hi-fi radio for the love of money join us again next week the preceding was a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of chorus entertainment